You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Can you make this quick? I got a meeting. Okay. All right. All right. right. Leave it to Joel. We're trying yeah, to I'm trying to wish my is. granddaughter a happy birthday. Here comes Joel. In no, like you're a bowl in a china closet. Yeah, we have a tender moment here, and Joel's like, I don't care. This is the same guy who once used to walk around the campus at CU with little sleeves of Titleist that he would toss to the golf play, golf guy, golf guys and say, you're welcome. Yeah. Courtesy of the football team. Courtesy of the football team. <laughs> hey, hit him straight. Hit him straight. There you go. Hello, Joel Klatt. Someone had to pay for the golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Not your fault, I mean, Joel. Not, yeah, not, not, not my fault we paid for them. What do you want me to do? You're welcome. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was being nice. Joel Clapp presented by Audi Flatirons, everybody. Joel, how are you, buddy? Everything going well? <laughs> Everything's not, not, not easy really to do a, well. a smooth segue from that. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I, I got to tell you. I just, sometimes I cringe to think about, like, my dad, whom I respect more than maybe any person on earth, like, if he was ever listening, and he's just like, man, my my son is just a Richard Nine oh, when yeah. he gets on the radio. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's all right. That, I mean, you know what? You do it so well. You, you do it exceptionally well. well. Hey, Bradley Chubb, uh, you've had you know your uh, share of football injuries, brutal. and now it's his third ACL. Now it's going to be a second ankle surgery, although on a different ankle or or whatever it is. Like expectations for the fifth overall pick. Do you think he'll ever? kind of live up to the potential of being kind of a generational player? Well, that's 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 really tough, Mark, because as you know, um, and, and you dealt with maybe more than anybody that I can think of, but, maybe, I mean, there are some guys that are just China dolls when it comes to, like, and this is it sounds like a knock, and it's not. Like, when it comes to major injuries, they just cannot keep themselves healthy and and then there's a huge difference between little things that you can play through and cleanups and the scope here and there whether it's elbows shoulders wrists knees ankles whatever it is and then like these these bigger injuries and the bigger injuries become way more problematic because it feels like once they start happening it's just like a chain and then or a domino i guess maybe is a better analogy and and they just start to fall one by one uh so can he or will he ever be that generational player? I think it's going to be hard because, remember, he's going to be evaluated, at least in our circles, as, as Bronco fans, as Bronco you know, watchers, he's going to be evaluated to the Von Miller standard. And, and Von, I don't want to say single-handedly because that's unfair in the sport, but Von was the best player maybe in the NFL for a year and won a Super Bowl because of it. Like Peyton Manning couldn't throw a ball through a wet paper bag that year. And they win a Super Bowl against the MVP of the league and Cam Newton in part because he was so dynamic. And so for, for Chubb, I only talk about that because that's the standard by which we're going to evaluate Bradley Chubb. That's a, a, incredibly difficult standard to live up to, in particular when you look at the lack of history as it relates to 
modern NFL football and a defense actually going out there and, and being the catalyst to win a championship. It just doesn't happen often. How do you look at this 2-0 start? Um, cautiously optimistic. Um, they had to be this way, right? If, if they were 1-1 one one right now and losing to either of those two teams, you talk about, like, jumping off of a building. <clears throat> Broncos country would just be incensed. They'd be beside themselves. So they, they are where they need to be. Having said that, this style of 2-0, and fairly dominant, uh, in particular last week, feels a lot better than winning on a last-second field goal in one of those games and still having the same struggles or the same frustrations with quarterback play. This feels better which is what leads me to be cautiously optimistic. They've got to win again this week because I just don't think the Jets are any good. Their quarterback has miles to go while he's immensely talented. Uh, he's got miles to go in his maturation and development into this league. So they're going to have to win probably in a similar fashion for us to continue to, to put them into the category, at least individually for me, into that cautiously optimistic category. They're in a really tough division. I think Oakland, or yeah, Oakland, Vegas has proved themselves to be much better. We know that the Chargers are going to be very good. And obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, at least until someone beats them on this side of the NFL and the AFC, are the class of, of the conference. Yeah, there's no question about that. And Teddy Bridgewater continues to perform at exceptionally high level. And Mike was asking me earlier, like, what do they need to do kind of to kind of make this offense go at its next level. Teddy's been efficient. Teddy's been great. But when you look at the Broncos' offense, what's next for this offense? What do they need to do to go from that 23, 24 points into the 30s on a consistent basis? I, I actually think it's – it's, and while they, you know, with with Williams, they, they ran the ball well, I, I personally believe that it's it's becoming more dominant in the run game. When you can run it when you want to, at any moment that you want to, even when they know you want to run the ball, what it does is it opens up things, especially for, for a quarterback that probably needs the, the element of play action or the, the element of, of um, a, a dynamic run game to get the safeties down. Right, Teddy's not just going to blow you away with his arm. He's accurate and he's efficient. But I think the next step is actually the, the dominance in the run game. While they've run it well, I think the dominance is where it comes in. And, and you were obviously a part of a team with Denver, Mark, that was the most dominant rushing team in the league at the time. And maybe, you know, up to that point, one of the better rushing teams that we had ever seen in the, in the National Football League. But what came out of that was the entirety of the boot game. And one of the things that Mike did so well back in the day is he, he dialed up shots off of that boot game, off of that zone action, and how many times did we see John, or, or Jake Plummer even for that matter, give a hard fake, and it was kind of a half roll into the pocket, and then that's how they would get the ball way downfield. I see it all the time, you know, week in and week out in college football. The teams that are the most explosive teams on offense, it's not just because of their passing game or their, their talent at wide receiver or their talent at quarterback, although that helps, it's their ability to be dominant in the run game. Because when you're, fo when you're forcing a defense to add a hat into the run game and say that we have to play with a plus box, then you're going to start to get bigger and better and more explosive plays 
in the passing game. So for me, I'd say that that's the next step for them is not just running it well, not just committing to the run game, but Mark being able to dominate in that run game. You know, let me ask you, how important is it to have an identity? Like I've always, I love, this is what I loved about my playing time here in Denver and even in Washington. If we get in second down and one, that's not a down to take a shot on the defense. You know, it's not a down to take a, you know, a deep shot. That was a down to take a shot on the defense. You know what I'm saying? Like the difference between throwing a shot and actually trying to punish somebody and convert and get four more opportunities with the football, right? That was the mentality. And we get into a second down and one situation and I knew there's three plays coming in. It's either some 18, 19 handoff force. It's 14, 15 or it's QB sneak. And so there is a calming factor to me when you have an identity and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt certain situations. I know what's coming in. I know what play's coming in. I know what my responsibility is even before the quarterback says it. Like how important in your mind is it for a team to have that kind of security and that kind of identity? Yeah, I, I well, I think it's vital. Let, let me, like, I'm going to try to take that a a step further because I don't think it's just about the continuity of, of having an identity or being on the same page with the play caller, because I think there's, there's a rhythm to play calling and everyone would, would say like, well, we have a fingerprint, you know, Uh, but I think what you're talking about is something a little bit different than a fingerprint. And, and what you're talking about is, is, is that fingerprint being something that will be successful. So, you say to me, like, in, in those eras, you knew what was coming in. Would, there was a calming factor in that. Mm-hmm. I would argue it wasn't just that you knew what was coming in, but that you knew it would be successful. Right. So, th- so that, that, that's the part where it goes from a fingerprint to an identity. And what your identity is is something that you can lean on, and then you can start to break the will of the opponent. When you're breaking the will of the opponent, these are all, like, very, like, coach-speaky type, type of terms. We talk about football being a sport of will, and you you have to lean on your opponent, and you have to break their will. Part of breaking their will is what you're talking about, is that when, when everybody knows what's coming, they still can't stop it. That's the, that's the calming effect of knowing that, that the force play is coming in, the zone play is coming in. You know, if they take it to college football and you go back to, like, the Stanford heyday, you know power's coming in. You're going to run a gap scheme, and there's not enough defenders on the field. They can put 14 guys out there. You're going to get the second and two. Like, it's it's the confidence in the identity that gives teams the ability to go break the will of their opponent. And I think that that's vital. I think that every single great team has that ability. Now, it's not always a physical ability when it comes to run game and leaning and the offensive line. It's also... The identity could be in in the ability of your quarterback in the passing game, in particular in the short passing game, to just know that you're going to be better than them. And and we've seen that with Brady for how many years? So it's it's the ability of the defense to say, you know, we're coming after you, and we're still going to get there. There's there's no amount of max protection that you can uh, have. It's the ability to say we're going to run man defense because we know you can't succeed, and you do too. So. I think that there's, you know, layers upon layers of, of what you're talking about within identity and confidence and continuity. And it's not just about knowing what's going to come in, but knowing it will be successful. Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst for Fox, presented by Audi Flatirons. Let's talk a little college football. Let's talk about your buffs. The season began with high expectations. Is it is it inconceivable to you 
that a school that plays in a Power 5 conference can go out in back-to-back weeks in an age in which college football is on steroids offensively and score a grand total of seven points? I mean, no, because, like, we, we did that when I played there. So um, I think we, we scored a grand total of six points across two games. Really? So, mm. yeah, Mike, listen, don't act so surprised mm. with that smug look. I know he's got a smug look. Quarterback issues. Like, like, I'm just uh, yeah, jeez. I was the quarterback of that team. Oh. It wasn't, wasn't good. Play no, caller. one of those bad play caller. Bad, had to be, had to be the play calling. The scheme. Well, no identity. Clearly. Yes. Clearly. We had no identity. We couldn't lean on people up front. Uh, our quarterback made poor decisions. <laughs> that was me. And, and one of those teams that we played happened to be the 05 Texas team with Vince Ooh. Young that had yeah. ridiculous defense. Two Thorpe Award winners, a Buckus winner. I mean, they concussed me twice. Don't remember the second game very well, if at all. It was a fun time, fun time. Now, having said that, yeah, this is a problem for, for Colorado because, you know, what what's going to start to happen, and I think that you started to see it a little bit um, last week, is that the defense plays well or at times well enough to win, and then they realize that, like, hey, man, it doesn't matter. You know, we can hold this team to 17. We can hold this team to 13, 20, whatever it is. And it's not going to matter because our offense can't do anything, um, and and that's that's a that's a serious problem. So, in this in this day and age, man, it's although I will tell you that this is this is an odd year in college football. Now, let me just take a, a, a minor tangent, if you will, and and I'm going to do this because Minnesota, I've seen them this year, and and they are littered with this player, but the super senior has made this a a an incredibly weird year in college football and it's a deeper year in college football there's more parity because there's more older players and there's more older players at specific places like minnesota they are littered with six-year players when i did their game against ohio state i counted like 11 guys on their defensive two deep that were either transfers or six-year players and and both of those categories shouldn't be on your roster 11 in the two deep. They had another eight on their offensive two deep that were either, again, transfers or sixth-year players. Because of the eligibility rules with COVID, you know, that's a team that was going to be tough. So, listen, Colorado's got to get better, man, and I hope that they can. Um, because certainly they're going to have to figure something out offensively to, to go in the right direction. Uh, i got to take a pause real quick, and uh, uh, my do- granddaughter wasn't in the uh, car, so can we wish uh, Drew Sarah... Lovely Drew At the Sarah. risk of upsetting Joel, but sure. Yes. Uh, I know. Five listen, years I, old, Joel. She's five today. Can you believe it? I Listen, happy birthday. I'm, yes. I'm so happy for you. And, and here's the deal, Mike. We we know the Schlereth family so well. Um, and so anything we can do for them is, is amazing. Little Drew, five years old. Hard to believe. So congratulations. I love happy you. Bobo loves you, Drew. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Uh, but now we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk, uh, football, honey. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to move, we're going to move on from that. Okay. I'm going to keep talking keep about talking that. football. Hey, um, real quick, just, uh, just as you look at the Broncos as a whole, um, the football team, I know you said cautiously optimistic, but here we are mm-hmm. with some injury issues leaning on yeah. this defense. Now all of a sudden Bradley Chubb's going to be gone for some time. Josie Jewell is out. Who's a really good football player. I think. And you yeah, know, he I, he's a really good football player, which sounds like almost a backhanded compliment, right? He's not special, but he's really, really good. 
Darby out right now. Obviously, PS2 filled in admirably and, and got a, his first pick of the season. But um, bottom line is, what are your expectations for this defense as it's trying to get through this time with those injuries? Well, they've got to go out and play well this week. I, I think that injuries are going to happen, and they're going to be hitting teams all over the league, and I just don't think you can focus on that. Is that too coach speak? But I just, I don't know. I felt that way as a player. Mark, but like you can't focus on that. Now, will, will they be as dominant? Probably not. Do you have to find a way to succeed? Absolutely. I mean, so I hope that at least this week there's not too much of a dip, and I would still expect them to go out there and play great defense and dominate, and maybe this is something where they've got to be a bit more complimentary on the offensive side, which, again, leans into that run game. One guy I do want to give a huge shout-out, by, by the way, and I, I don't know if we've talked about him a lot, but Javante Williams. I don't know if you guys have, have been talking about him a, a lot or not, but I I think that this guy has potential to be a really special running back, mm-hmm. which which goes into the point that, that we're making about the health of this defense. If you've got to protect your defense at moments during the season, and maybe this is one of those weeks, I think that the run game, again, establishing dominance in order to get explosive plays, but also to protect your defense. And, and a guy in, in, in Williams – I had a long conversation with Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College, last year in the offseason. And he said when he when he was facing North Carolina, North Carolina, he said kind of stupidly, I guess is, is okay to say, mm-hmm. started throwing the ball because they thought Sam Howell was really good and they stopped giving the ball to Javante Williams. And he was just like a big sigh of relief because he was like, Javante Williams was the best football player we played last year. And they played Clemson. They played Travis Etienne. They played... Trevor Lawrence. So, um, for, for my money, I think that a guy like Williams is a guy that can and will continue to get better and maybe be some someone that they can lean on to help pre- protect that defense. Because, as we all know, defending 50 snaps rather than 60 is going to behoove a defense that is getting thin based on injury. Yeah, you know, I said it to Mike uh, at the beginning of the week. I'm not so sure that uh, – actually, I'm pretty sure – that eventually he needs to get the lion's share of the carries. He is a three-down back, great in protection, yeah. really understands the game, and he's a physical. I mean, he's a mismatch. So I, I'm with you on that. I'm glad I, somebody I else thought he was. I thought he was better than, than Melvin last week. Absolutely. I, I don't know if that's Ab- way absolutely. too obvious, but he, I think he, he's absolutely the guy that needs to start getting that, that number one slot. We started with golf. I'll finish with golf. U.S. going to win the Ryder Cup? They better. Can we please get a Brooksy DeChambeau pairing at oh. some point this week? That would just be that. I, I, that would be awesome. I'm actually going to be in Chicago. We're going to do um, uh, Wisconsin Notre Dame and Soldier Field on Saturday. Oh, cool! And I'm going to to visit. I'm actually going to leave this afternoon. I'm going to go visit Notre Dame tomorrow. And so Friday's a, a little bit of an off day. And I'm like, you know, it's not that far from Wisconsin. I can drive up on Friday sure. and check out one of the sessions, right? Yeah. Are you Team Brooks or Team Bryson? Are we serious with that question? Is yeah. anyone Team Bryson? Yeah, what? Nobody. Like, I don't even think nobody. I don't even think Bryson's parents well, are Team Bryson. See, I would think that Bryson right. is enough of a Richard Nine that you would be somehow drawn to him. That is, that is, just I. You've never said anything that has infuriated me more. Mike. Well, more hurtful, apparently. That yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, but, I got a chance to to meet both of them at the U.S. Open a few years ago at Pebble Beach, and uh, 
Yeah, let's just say I'm staunchly in the Brooksy category. Oh, okay. Brooksy's got some Richard in him, too. Hey, Joel, thanks, buddy. Yes, we appreciate does. you. But, uh, hey, but it's the good type of it's Richard. Yes. Good right? Right? Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. right. Welcome. There you go. Joel Clapp, presented by Audi Flatirons. As always, a lot to unpack in our visit with Joel. We'll do that. Coming up next, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.